Father, we thank you for this our privilege of being able to be together. We thank you for the warmth of your church, people in our building. We thank you for Cheryl, for the gifts that you've given her. We would ask that as we study today, as we come to understand how to truly be people and families and churches of love, that you would guide us in that process. Help each of us to have ears to hear and what our ways are of unique hearing. Thank you for Pastor Colleen's amazing sermon and the privilege of sacrament this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. For those of you who don't know us, this is my husband, Denny. I'm Cheryl. And Denny was lead pastor here for about 40 years. And I was able to uh, be the founding director of a counseling center here for about 22 years. And uh, we're now retired, but still enjoy teaching classes and writing books and doing all kinds of stuff that God opens up for us to do. Today, we're starting a series on relationships and how we can have healthier, better relationships in the church as well as in our personal lives and in our work lives and in our family lives. Relationships is something that we're a part of no matter what arena or social setting we're in. And so how can we be healthy and, uh, and in our, all of our relationships? And especially as Christians, we should be thinking about this. I'm afraid Christians have not a great reputation for having healthy relationships. And especially today, we're focusing on how to be safe in our relationships. Not safe in the way that we're too cautious to step into anything bravely and not safe like taking it's playing it safe that's not the kind of safe we're talking about we're going to talk about the kind of safe where we don't harm people where we don't do any harm to people um, through our counseling through the years the saddest things to me has been where people are harmed where they should have been safe whether it was in a church setting or in their family of origin as a child um, this is not, let's just start there. Let's start with not hurting people, not doing harm. And so what I'd like you to do to start our class today is just take a moment, close your eyes, and think about somebody, you may have more than one, but let's try to think of one somebody that you feel really safe with. And not in a way where they won't take a risk on your behalf, but in the way that they would, they don't harm you. You don't have to be uh, nervous or on the defensive with them because you feel safe. So when you have that person in mind, just raise your hand. I'm not going to make tell the who those people are, but I do want to know that you have somebody in mind. I'm going to be quiet so you can think. If you have more than one person, you are a blessed person. So, anybody need one more minute to think a little longer? Everybody got somebody in mind? Okay, I don't need names, but what type of people are these? Are these family members, friends, teachers? Who's a safe person in your life? Spouse. A spouse. Wow, that is a blessing. You get to live with that person your whole life. What other people came to your mind? A spouse. Then you have blessed marriages. You have safe relationships in your most primary relationship. Anybody else? Yeah. A daughter. A daughter. Perfect. Family member. Penny? A daughter. Spouse. Spouse. So. Close friends. Close friends. I was going to say friends too. Friends. Right now, we're just identifying in our head uh, who, if we have a safe person in our life. And um, safe not in the way that they play it safe and never take a risk on our behalf, but safe in the way that we don't have to feel on edge or like we have to protect ourselves in any way. So try to get somebody in mind. Anybody else have somebody we didn't mention? We've heard spouse, we've heard family member, we've heard friend. Pastor. 
Pastor, absolutely. Pastor, we are blessed to have safe pastors. A therapist. A therapist, absolutely. Somebody we can trust with our innermost thoughts. And we're not going to be judged. We're going to be accepted. Absolutely. So if you have experienced a safe person in your life, this is what we're going to talk about today, how you can be a safe person in other people's life. Any questions on that? You know, the word safe has come into vogue. Denny says yellow is right on top if you can pass those out. Um, come into vogue in the last few years. I'm going to take you back to the beginning. The first person who actually did research on this whole safe and unsafe behavior was Dr. Charles Whitfield, and he has a book called Memories of Abuse. And this came out about 95, I think, um, but that's, this is what's coming around. What's interesting about his research is a lot of psychological research is based on pretty small samples. And when it's small samples, they can be kind of skewed. He had a huge sample. He sampled thousands of people. And, and they told him what is safe and what is unsafe behavior in their life. And so I'm just going to start you on the side of the sheet that doesn't have a wave. That's for the end. Um, it's going to have two columns uh, at the upper left corner. And um, who's in good voice today? Christina, you feel like reading the left, yeah, the safe behaviors. So these are the actual behaviors of a safe person. Go ahead. Listen to you, hear you, make eye contact, accept the real you, validate the real you, non judgmental are real with you, clear, boundaries appropriate and clear, direct, no triangles, supportive, loyal, relationship authentic. Okay, so that's getting right down to the specifics of what makes a safe person and what the actual behaviors are. Can you identify with any of those behaviors that your safe person shows you when you've got somebody in mind, can you think of some of those qualities or those behaviors that that person shows you? It's yeah. all about if you see something. Listen. The, one, the ones who listen to you. Okay. The and they accept the real you. They're not trying to change you. They accept you. Supportive. Supportive. Absolutely. Not judging you. Absolutely. Authentic relationship. Authentic relationship. It's not shallow. It's not fake. It's not for business purposes or for advantage. It's real, yeah. Any, any other behaviors there that your safe person has shown you? Clear. They're clear. They're, yeah. And we'll talk further about this. The communication's clear. It's a, a clear relationship in that you, you know where you stand. You're not always guessing. Not walking on X. I would say these are kind of a... Maybe not all of them, but they're so abundant in safe relationships. Absolutely. So there's, yeah, usually more than one of these yeah. is in your safe person, yeah, yeah. for sure. What I have challenged people through the years when I share this list with them is to choose just one of those safe behaviors, and in the next week, ask God to help you show that safe, one of those safe behaviors, just pick one, and show it to someone in your life this week. And then we're going to look at the not safe behaviors. And I'm not going to ask you to think of a person. So don't go there. Don't get ahead of me. Um, let's see, Vincent, do you feel like reading the unsafe list? Sure. Okay. Thank, thank you for choosing me. Oh, <laughs> well, I know you've got a booming voice. And you're a safe person for me, Vincent. So that's why I asked. All right. So don't listen. Don't hear. No eye contact. Reject the real you. Invalidate the real you, judgmental, false with you, unclear, boundaries unclear, messages mixed, indirect, triangle shit, others, competitive, betrayed, relationship feels contrived. Okay. Well, obviously, we can all identify betrayed. Well, that's very unsafe. But there's some of these other things that aren't so dramatic as betrayal that are also unsafe. So, what I'm going to ask you to do with that list is not. Not think of a person. Now that I said that, you probably will. But 
Instead, look down that list of unsafe behaviors and see if you can identify one that you actually did in the past week or not too long ago. Maybe you just didn't take the time to listen. Maybe you were instantly judgmental of somebody and then you realized, wow, I kind of jumped to conclusions about that person. Um, anybody brave enough to talk to one of the unsafe behaviors? Yeah, David? I have a Asperger's syndrome or autism. Uh, eye contact's very intense for us, mm -hmm. and so we tend not we tend to do eye aversion. Yeah. I hear you, and I'm glad you brought up eye contact because in different cultures, eye contact, direct eye contact, especially sustained eye contact, means different things. It can be aggressive. It can be a sexual comment. It can be an invitation to fight. Uh, and culturally, and yes, absolutely, different cultures. Sometimes uh, in a culture, lowering eyes rather than giving direct eye contact is a sign of respect. Absolutely, Nancy. So, uh, yeah, this is this is not across the board. In this three little one-hour sessions we have, we're not going to be able to explore all the cross-cultural uh, differences. But also, you brought up a good point with uh, with the Asperger's or being on, on anywhere on the spectrum makes eye contact very difficult and different. Yes. I was going to ask, um, how are you identifying indirect in this context? Indirect com communication. Indirect communication. Yeah, he kind of left that word off his list. It should be direct communication, as I've taught it through the years, and get to his name and he's in communication. Yes. Yes, Lisa. Um, I think I, I have kind of a, a syndrome, whatever you want to call that. And I find that um, my poor husband, sometimes I don't listen and I don't hear. Because in my mind, my mind is kind of whirling away and he's talking and I'm not hearing and I'm not listening. And I, so that's very invalidating. What you're describing when you said is key to the whole uh, safe behavior thing because if we're going to truly listen to people, it takes energy, it takes attention, it takes focus, it's not passive. We're not just keeping our mouth shut, like, well, I'm listening, and just keeping our mouth shut, but actually in our head thinking what my response is going to be. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not doing the point counterpoint in our head. We're actually focusing and just hearing what they're saying. And then when we think we got it, the best way is to feed it back to them and say, did I hear you right? Did you want to go to class after church or did you want to go to lunch? Um, yeah, just checking it out to be sure you heard it. Yeah, Sarah. Um, my husband's a very slow speaker, so to get out an idea can take a long time. And I often rush ahead and, and, and finish his thoughts for him. And even though they're correct, it's so it's so demeaning and frustrating for him, particularly when they're not correct. But just that I'm already kind of leading him to his own punchline yeah. is, oh, it, it's just tormenting for me to wait and listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, sometimes the person appreciates it. Uh, but if he has let you know that it's not appreciated, okay, then you know that it's annoying to him. So, yeah, to be the safe person in people's lives who are wired differently than we are, that is a really tough stretch, isn't it? Because what it requires is severe growth and patience and, and waiting till he can get the whole thought out. Yeah. Which is your act of love, your act of sacrifice. Yeah. 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 Good thing we're Christians and we can ask for help with that. <laughs> yeah, Rosie. Sometimes uh, my daughter tells me I'm judgmental. And I think, oh, I don't think that, you know, I have to let that in, you know, but I, and I feel like sometimes she's projecting that on me. I don't know, but I, I, I want to listen and I want to learn. And I don't want to be judgmental. Yeah, but. So maybe expressing that. Yeah. Just saying, you know, I don't want to be Help me with that. How did you see that? What did you see? Because I, I want to fix that. So, yeah. and, and I would also say we're going to talk about 
conflict resolution because there's a part of that of promising to change that needs to be a part, and we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, where we're going these three weeks is, today we're talking about safe and unsafe behavior and how to at least eliminate the hurtful stuff they do. Um, next week we'll talk about how to be redemptive and actually bring a, what do they call it, positive values? Uh, yeah, 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 instead of just not being hurtful, how can we actually be hopeful? So try to be redemptive in it. And then the third week, we will talk about being peacemakers and making peace with people and resolving conflict. Yeah, Because those are kind of the three big challenges. And once we even think we've learned it and we're practicing it pretty well, a new situation comes up or a new person comes into our life. Or we go into a new phase of our own development. Maybe we become hard of hearing and aren't as good a communicator or listener as we used to be. Yeah, yeah, that can be a hard one. Jenny, um, triangulating or trying. Yeah, um, got a whole handout on that. I think shall we do that now, or shall we do that next week? Uh, I, we could, we could do. Denny, do you want to do you your want PowerPoint on it? Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's get into triangles. Since since he brought it up, we will go for it. There's so much of this stuff overlaps that we just want to make this make as much possible sense as, as we can. Any other questions on the safe and unsafe behavior list that you see in your upper left corner? Sure. Yes. Are you going to talk about what's on the bottom? Yes, I will. Okay. Yes, I will. The bottom left is a freebie. It has nothing to do with this. I just threw it in there because I thought it was so interesting. It's how the brain makes memories. The way our brain works is the more, say something happens, um, let's see, we tripped on the way into church. We may not even remember that. It just falls out of consciousness. But if we rehearse it over and over and over in our mind, it shoots it into the long-term memory. See the thing that looks like a racetrack? On the, yeah. So that's the going over it and over it and over it in your brain. You're making a rut, almost, where that memory becomes what, what sticks. And if you don't go over it in your mind, it just falls out of your You probably don't remember what you had for lunch two weeks ago Monday. But if you thought about it a lot, you could remember it. If you thought about what you had for Thanksgiving, you might remember that. Um, but this is, this is such a good tip in relationships. If you want people to remember the good, Talk about the good. Don't go over and over and over the bad, or that's all they remember, right? Like at family reunions? Don't tell those bad stories? Yeah, don't tell the bad stories. They don't be, tell the embarrassing stories. That becomes stories their, kids. their identity. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be sidetracking us before we get to triangulation, but I only learned in this last year that... Um, that we all have trauma, we all have childhood trauma, no matter how well, how loving, how consistent our home lives were. And I'm wondering if some of that is because we've re-recorded and rehearsed things that happened that may have been incidental. Mm -hmm. And so where do we as, as there's, there's two different kinds of trauma. Cheryl will actually go into oh, this okay. in, a, in a moment, but there's acute where if I hit you with the baseball bat, and there is a chronic where it happens in small kind of daily incidences that you really couldn't say any one thing was bad. And that's the harder ones to heal. And everybody has baggage. Everybody brings it into every relationship. Everybody projects. I mean, there's, there are some things that are just so universal that you have to ask for God. Every, every one of us has to ask for God's help to get through. So yeah, we'll, Cheryl will talk about okay. that. Um, let me finish talking about the handout you have in hand, yeah. and then we'll do triangles. Okay. So what, what Dr. Whitfield did, if you want to read his book, it's on the back of this page, kind of got cut off in the copier. But Dr. Charles Whitfield did all this research on safe and unsafe behavior. He got these key behaviors, and he put it on a numerical chart, which I thought was fascinating, but then I like charts, whatever. Um, you see at level zero, it's neither harmful or helpful. It's neither safe nor unsafe. It's just kind of neutral. 
So let's say you stop at the grocery store on your way home today, and the checkout person doesn't really listen to you, but you really don't care. You don't have a relationship with them. The transaction goes smoothly. You leave. No biggie. Let's say you get home now, and a family member won't listen to you about something really important that you want to share with them. That has a whole different emotional context, doesn't it? But he also put it on scale. So um, if you go up that scale, you can see listening is a plus one, being uh, interested in what you're saying, making eye contact. So even though eye, eye contact is uh, tricky sometimes, it's still positive three. But you'd probably rather have someone who's talking to you or you're talking to make that eye contact. Being attentive, hearing you. You see how hearing is different than listening. It's really, really absorbing what you're saying. Understanding, being supportive. A positive eight is mirroring. And what they mean by that is let's say one of you walked in today and had tears running down your face. And if I was mirroring your behavior, I would say something like, I see that you're crying. Are you sad? And that would give you the opportunity. It's, it's like holding up a mirror. I see you're crying. It's making the observation. Um, and then it gives you the opportunity to say, oh, man, I have an allergy to something. Oh, I meant to ask you. Sarah asked if her dog can be here. Does anybody have allergies or objections to having a dog in the room? Everybody good? Please. I, I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot, but I don't want you <laughs> leaving with tears running down your face. Not that dog. Not that dog. This is a great dog. <laughs> um, okay, so mirroring is just reflecting back what they're giving you. And always giving them a chance to correct what you think you're seeing. Identifying with them, being real with them, validating, agreeing, being loyal. You can see as you go up this list, loving and finally, loving unconditionally. Oh my goodness, is that the safest feeling ever? That no matter what you do, you're loved, which is what the Lord gives us and what he makes available to us to participate in as Christians. We can pray for love. God is love. If God's going to give us anything, it's his nature. His nature is love. So yes, he will answer a prayer if we pray to love someone. Go ahead. And this, this is what the, the question we want to answer today. I, ha I actually had a pastor come to me when I was a pastor here and say, our church just isn't very loving, and your church is very loving. Why is that true? Well, there's a lot to, to answer that, but this is the primary. If you are a safe group of people who listen to one another on the deck or in praises and prayer requests or wherever, and if you're unconditional in your love, there's not some sense that they have to be some kind of person or dressed a certain way or certain educational level, or even sexual orientation, whatever it is, we're going to love those people. That is the safe behavior. And that's the kind of church that Jesus wants us to create. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about this, we're not talking about it just kind of in a theoretical sense. This is what... We want all of our leaders to model, all of you to model, everybody to model his safe behavior and unconditional love and love. And it's not just because we want you to do it. We no. really believe this reflects the character of Christ. If we're Christians, we're supposed to reflect the character of Christ. And Christ is love. And how do we love? We're not going to make it theoretical. We're not going to make it abstract. It's a very practical thing. Make sense? Okay, let's go down the list then, okay? So from being neutral, a negative one, not listening, being uninterested in what they have to say, no eye contact, not being attentive, not hearing or understanding or being supportive, not identifying or accepting them. Look at number negative 10. This is always a good little discussion topic. What do you read at negative 10? Unhealthy teasing. Tell me the difference between healthy teasing and unhealthy teasing. <laughs> there is no line of demarcation because we all have different tolerances for it. If you grew up in a home where you were teased to death, you have no tolerance for 
any teasing. It's not healthy at any level. If you, I don't know, if you have what we call thick skin, maybe you don't care about the group of people you're in very much, so you don't really care what they're saying to you. But this teasing thing is a very unpredictable uh, thing. That's why we try to avoid it. Doug, in his youth group here, makes it a no-tease zone because here's the problem. Let's say there are two best friends, and they are snarky, and they like it, and it's their sense of humor, and they tease each other. New person walks in, hears those two doing that thing, and they think, oh my goodness, I'm next. I am out of here. This is not a safe place, right? So you never know just what it's going to be. You're going to tell the pastor example? Okay. Yeah, but let me say, there's there's a difference between men, the way men do it and the way women do it. Mm -hmm. But both both are very destructive. Even though men will say, if you say to them, wow, that was teasing, they say it's endearing. Mm -hmm. I, I mean it to bring them closer. It doesn't it doesn't accomplish that. I'll just give you one example. We had a, a pastor in our conference when we were teaching this to pastors. who said, but our whole family teases and everything's fine. And I said, really? I said, well, is there any person who's quiet? He said, well, yeah, our youngest. And do you tease him? Well, yeah, we tease him the most. I said, why don't you try not teasing him for a while? And he came back like two months later and said, you completely changed our family because he never would talk at the family dinner. And now that we stopped teasing him, he's opened up and he's like a whole different person, just blossomed. And so you don't really recognize uh, a lot of these unsafe behaviors because, you know, it smells like home, but it smells crappy. And <laughs> everybody who walks in could smell it, but you get used to it. Does that, does that make sense? You know, although it's not on this list, I would, as a woman, add flirting right about here, too. Flirting is a way that sometimes women or men relate to one another, thinking that it's, oh, it's accepting, and we're all, no, 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 always unhealthy, always unhealthy. Um, yeah, and especially in a church setting. Denny was called to, oh, go ahead. Unless it's with your significant other, or never. With your significant other, yes, yes. it's okay. fine. I'm talking about a group situation. Yes. Denny visited a church down south that was having some problems, and he went down, and the choir happened to be practicing that night. There were 20, 25, you want to tell that? Yeah, and I'm, I'm standing there, and suddenly they started doing double on top of Joe. And for me. And I go, whoa, something's wrong with this a little. And we come to find out the pastor had a 15-year sexual addiction, mm -hmm. and the whole church had been permeated with this sexual stuff. And, uh, you know, double entendres are almost always a form of flirting. You're, you're kind of breaking down the barriers of property behavior and, and attitude. Same thing as standing too close and all the different things that, that people do. Cheryl, will talk about that in just a second. So it counts. All of our behaviors count. And let's be safe in all of our behaviors and make our churches safe. I mean, we don't read these awful headlines about some moral failure of some famous pastor. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's because some of these unsafe boundaries were crossed long ago, and people stopped being sensitive to what needed to be happening and what needs to be safe. And we can work on safer behaviors. It's like growing muscles when you're working out and training for a sport. We can grow our emotional, relational muscles. Yeah, Sarah. I have a personality that likes to let people know, that likes to affirm people regularly, honestly, but kind of out of the blue. You know, some people are a little taken aback. Um, do I need to worry when I tell a man that they look really dapper today, is that flirting? Let's ask a man. Okay, this is something that Cheryl had to teach me because uh, I I always thought that it was fine to say to a woman, you know, oh, you cut your hair, you look really good. Or, yeah. Oh, what a cute dog you have, and all those kind of things. And, and in a sense it is, but how does the other person usually take that? Oh, here's a man who suddenly is interested in me. And 
depending on all other kinds of things and the history of the person and all that kind of stuff, that means different things. A man, if a woman were to come to me and say it, let me just ask all the men, what would you think of this afternoon? What happened at church this morning if some woman came to you and said that? Would you think of it? Would you remember it? But it's also not just some woman, it's the deliverer. You know, what do, do they know this person and what do they know of their personality and I I, I, I would tend to agree with you more. Okay. Cheryl would, would No, agree. I don't put words in Okay. Clear <laughs> <laughs> communication, right? You're right. Um, when you asked your question, Sarah, yes. I would have said, I think that sounds fine. <clears throat> but it depends on how you deliver. If you sidle up to him, oh, and bash your eyelashes at him, and say, oh. "Wow, you're looking handsome," that's yeah. flirting, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we all know what flirting is, right? Yeah. And but I also just want to clarify: I don't think this is what you're saying. So, say someone is not married and they're actually interested in someone, mm -hmm. I, and they like want to see if the other person is interested. Indicating interest is yeah. a healthy thing to do. Right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So we're talking about the unsafe flirting that breaks down marriages, breaks right. down right. appropriate boundaries in a youth group, right. that breaks down appropriate boundaries in a Bible study group. Right. Right. Yeah. There there are Good some clarification. People, yeah. There are some people who interact with the other sex almost always in a flirty way. That's that's more, I think, what Cheryl's talking There are, as women, we all know there are women who come on to men, right? Mm -hmm. By the way they dress, by the way they act. Uh, Paul uh, addresses it in the New Testament. Um, yeah, don't do this. Don't don't cut your hair and look like a prostitute. Don't uh, walk over those boundaries of marriage. And so, how do we apply that into our own culture today? Well, we're not going to dress inappropriately and low-cut stuff and bow our eyelashes and do our thing. Mandy, you were going to take us to another question. Did we, did we no. bypass where you were going, or did we get there? Well, no, no, I just, okay. I was just clarifying. If you're in a relationship, okay. if you're in a relationship, yeah. you're flitting with your spouse or Absolutely. whatever. Absolutely, yeah. because that's the appropriate yes. relationship in which you're expressing, expressing interest in someone. Or if you're expressing interest who yeah. is single and you're not very yeah. yes. It's available. We said very bottom right word uh, on the, the column on the far right on the page. Wounding. Wounding. It sort of got cut off. Yeah. So you see as you go down, it becomes more and more unsafe until it becomes invalidating and wounding behavior. Let's go on down that list. So minus 11, not being real with you, invalidating you. Neglect. I mean, now we're getting into some of those arenas of child protective services, right? They show up for some of this stuff. Abandoning, disagreeing, minus 15. Okay, I was really disagreeing with this <laughs> when I read this research because at the time I read this, I had and have continued to have friends who disagree with me politically um, on a lot of things, and we still love each other. Uh, this has gotten more problematic in our society in the last four, eight, ten years. It's harder and harder to have civil conversations with people who disagree because everything's gotten so volatile and so dramatic and so divisive. So just be be careful of the disagreeing one. Where where he kind of convinced me is I was doing couples counseling with a married couple one day, and. Um, Everything the wife said, the husband said, well, I disagree. Well, da-da-da-da-da, well, I disagree. Da-da-da-da-da, well, I disagree. You know, it was like this brick wall. She could not get through to him at any level because he was like a brick wall. Everything was disagree. It reminds me of the kind of people who used to say, and I don't hear this as much anymore, well, I'm just being a devil's advocate. The devil doesn't need any advocates. <laughs> I mean, seriously, right? You don't need to be a negative, roadblocking person, right? Unsafe behavior. Okay, um, on down there. Uh, rejecting, betraying, of course, attacking. We often recognize these are unsafe behaviors. And then all that's on the back of your sheet there is a few um, spiritual trauma. Uh, some of these behaviors that actually cause spiritual trauma. And you can just see how that's 
the negative messages. I wish I'd never had you. Boy, for a kid to hear that. Yeah. So you can see how some of these are much more unsafe than others. So the goal here is to be safe. Be a person who doesn't cause harm. Be a church that people say, oh yeah, I used to go to Free Methodist, but I got really hurt there. No, please don't let that ever be said about Jesus' people. We should be a loving, accepting family place of safety. Any other questions on safe and unsafe behavior? Denny's going to take us into triangles. Do you want to do that or do you want to do this? Um, <laughs> your fault. Okay. Uh, <coughs> I didn't think about it. What's your question? <coughs> I, it was just more of a comment that all, to yeah, me, this, this really feels like being, all of this can be um, about really being present when you're, when you're with someone. Yes. And thinking before something comes out of your mouth that shreds them. Definite. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's uh, putting the brakes on before we do something that's harmful. Okay, we're going to hold on to triangle for just a moment. We'll, we'll get to it, I promise. Vincent? I would just wanted to kind of address the, the, the disagreeing with Bob. Yes. Uh, and then I think that one thing which I kind of uh, I find or found recently is that we don't have honest conversation anymore. So we're afraid to, aren't we? Yeah, and I think that back in, back in especially in Belgium, the politics of Belgium has been kind of all over the place. And so you could often just get around the table with your family members or uncles and aunts and have a reason. Everyone still kind of gets on But it wasn't so set in a way. I agree, I don't agree. Yes. It was kind of like you were still... And you know what? That is really going to be clarified when we show the timeline. That's going to really come clear. Yeah, and I think there's a word bullying that should be on the first side. Because it seems like sometimes when you're having a Conversation you disagreed, yes, and then the other person starts. I feel bullied. Well, that gets you down to what negative uh, 18 attacking, yeah. That yeah. attacking yeah. is basically bullying, right? Yeah. Mm. You don't feel safe because you're getting attacked. Richard just pointed out that this one's in what Mary said to Jesus today. Yeah, I was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many do this to me? Okay, um, yes, David, and then we're going to talk about the white wheel, which is. The spectrum of validation. This doesn't relate to how intelligent a person is. Absolutely not. Because honestly, I don't think I have control over any of this stuff. Well, that's why it takes practice. And it takes, uh, it's like a spiritual discipline, like a physical discipline would be. So when we start out, we can't play a sport until we practice it. So these are behaviors to practice. Well, I think I have to like make myself. Yes. yes. Oh, it takes effort. Totally. Yeah, yeah, someone, yeah, someone with Asperger's, it's extra. Oh yeah, yeah, it's extra. This is hard for everybody, and I think as Christians, we can't do it unless we have, unless we pray for Jesus to help us to yeah. have patience to hear somebody all the way out, to have patience to really listen with focus until we understand what they're saying. And and that that I, I would say that we all have spiritual Asperger's. Yes, I didn't even know they listen. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to direct you to the white sheet of paper Jenny just passed out with the wheel on it. This was actually not from a Christian source, neither was the first one, So, but these are just really good things to know. This was actually developed, I believe, by the Minnesota... Um, Minnesota Duluth Domestic Abuse. Yeah, Domestic Violence Program. And um, when they were doing counseling, they would sit down with people... Look at the varieties of abuse side. They would talk about, well, have you been abused? And they'd say, well, no, I've never been hit. Okay, so in our society, we tend to consider abuse or unsafe behavior as physical violence, right? But look at the varieties of abuse that are actually part of abuse, emotional abuse, name-calling, put-downs. I mean, I'm not going to read these all to you. You can definitely take this home and read it. Um, but economic abuse, intimidation, the silent treatment. Um, some of us may have grown up in a home where there wasn't hitting, but people weren't speaking to each other for a week or two because of something that happened. 
spiritual abuse. I think this is one we need to look at. Use of scripture and words like submission and obey in abusive ways with spiritual language. Okay, let's go back to Ephesians 5, that chapter that we all know if we've ever looked into what is Paul actually saying about submission. Well, if you look at the last verse of chapter 4, it says, submit to one another. And then he kind of spells it out, right? But we tend not to read the whole passage. And being married to a Bible scholar, I never did. There aren't chapters and verses in the originals, you know, that you put numbers on anything. And so these it shows are, part of picture. Patriarchal interpretation of scripture yes. yeah. to even number it that way to take that verse out so people won't notice it when we're talking about this. About submission. So submission as Christians, we should be submitted to the Lord. Not women to men. Not uh, It's not a hierarchy thing. Not the people. The hierarchy is the Lord. Uh, I had a young woman come into my office one day and say, well, I'm looking for a spiritual leader relationship. And I said, you have a very Catholic understanding of the Bible. Not that that's wrong. Catholics are also Christians, but it's very different theologically than where we as Protestants come. We don't look to a man to have our spiritual direction. We look to the Lord to have our spiritual direction, right? Anytime we put a person in authority over us instead of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're acting in a sense in idolatry. Okay? All right, I know I'm going to get some calls after this. Yeah, one of these abusive things that just, oh, so damaging. Uh, a couple who's fighting, not talking to each other, send the kid over. Oh, to get messages to the end of here. And it happens more than you would ever imagine. That's it, you're right. That's abuse of children. So these are all different forms of abuse. As you read over this, this circle, you may think, oh my goodness, I knew that relationship didn't feel quite right. I was being abused. I never even recognized it. Right? Okay. So there is hope. Turn it over. Those who've grown up in an abusive environment in their home sometimes don't know what a healthy relationship even looks like. So here's a healthy relationship we want to have, where people are respectful of one another and they're appropriate and they respect each other's boundaries and they have good communication and um, healthy spiritual development. So these are all good things to read. I mean, if you... Um, are feeling like you're at a huge disadvantage in your relationships because your parents divorced when you were young or there was a lot of fighting in your home, uh, look this over. And if you need to talk to somebody, yeah, yeah, um, if you need to talk to somebody about your experience, that would be a good thing to have healed before you go into your next relationship. This, uh, this handout, Denny's passing out right now, is the perception of abuse. So, all right, it's not quite gender appropriate because it says the man and the woman. So instead of reading the man and the woman, read the perpetrator and the victim. Because there are some men who are victims of abuse, right? All right, so the perpetrator, when asked, has there been abusive behavior in your relationship? And he said, oh, I don't think it's changed much since the beginning. So you can see how his line is pretty close to the bottom. You ask the victim, has the abuse changed since the beginning of the relationship? Oh my goodness, they can see it accelerate. Because here's the thing about abuse. It never stays in one place. It always increases. Just as in all of life, life is about change and it's always going in some direction or another. If we're not getting closer to the Lord, we're getting farther away, right? If we're not getting healthier and safer in our relationships, we're getting less safe and unhealthier. So there's always movement. 
So I just thought that would be a good graphic. And that's for you visual learners like me who likes graphs. Yeah, Brad. I get along that line. I think it's interesting back on the varieties that you say, it says changing the form of abuse is not the same. So yeah. even if they stop one abuse, yeah. an abusive person is going to change yeah. to some other form of abuse. And so right. that's going to go up. Unless but they're change. becoming healthy. Yes, yes. And yeah. the only way they're going to become healthy is intervention. Yeah. Either by the Lord working in their life and transforming them, or them going to get counseling with a pastor or therapist or something. There has to be a point of change. I, I would also say how I use this document also in counseling is if I have a person who's been an abuser of someone, and I and I will and they usually have been brought in because of that. Uh, you know, pastors aren't, aren't court court appointed like Calm would be or something. But I always say in this line, if you cross this line, you kill them. Have you ever killed anyone? And they would be offended. Of course not. I would never. Or have you used a weapon? Have you oh, ever used a weapon? And they were very offended. And I, I'll say, well, then you do have control of this. Back it up. Because what they've done is they've given themselves permission at some point to do emotional abuse or to, to go, go here or uh, go here. And it's the permission that we give ourselves to do something that causes the, the increase, right? And it's just like anything that's addiction. Addiction's a habit that gets more and more uh, active. Sarah? That's what I, not what I was about to ask. Without intervention, does abuse uh, feed itself so that it always goes up? Always goes up. Always. It's a, it's a form of... Or they add a few more types of abuse. So a that we, could, we could go over anger on one of these weeks if you want. But anger is an addiction mm -hmm. that is fed by adrenaline okay. and by power of the spiritual side. And it becomes more and more and more. And any time that somebody doesn't stand up and say, hey, that hurts, it's going to increase because we're sinful. And so that's why you have to say, that's unsafe. That's why we pointed out, because then you can say, that, that's unsafe, right? Attack. Yeah. Would you say that sin generally kind of works on a similar way to abuse in this way? And that, like, I feel that often people just generally are justifying their sin, at least mentally or within themselves, where they're like, oh, well, it's okay for me to do this, and they're just internalizing that. And so you're either working to get that out of you or allowing that to permeate more. It's you're absolutely 100% accurate. There, there's actual books called Sin Addiction and talking about it growing and all like that. But remember, what what's the cure to sin, biblically? More? Confession. Confession only in the truth about ourselves. I am a sinner and I need God's forgiveness. And until you're, you're able to say that, you're always rationalizing, justifying, explaining yourself away, explaining how the other person deserved it. And in an abusive relationship, the other person thinks they deserve it, whatever the abuse is. So, from abuse, physically, emotionally, verbally, financially, to a brand new term just in the last couple of years that got super popular, gaslighting. So I started you with safe and unsafe behavior that was kind of the beginning of all this research. This is more current stuff. And I actually watched the old movie that, that they take the work from about a month ago. And uh, yeah, when you make the victim, it's when the perpetrator makes the victim feel like, oh, I must be crazy. I must be misreading the cues. I must not be seen as clearly. And you can see some of the some of the things there. Oh, you're just being dramatic, or you're too demanding, or you know, all these ways of diminishing what your feelings, your needs, your experiences are in the relationship. And then and then an adult child of alcoholic care, uh, a child that comes home and mom's passed out on the floor. And the husband says, I mean, the father says, nothing's wrong. Yeah. Now think what they're, what they're programming their child, that my perception of wrong is wrong. And so there's nothing. My perception's off. That's what happens to the child, right? And so then someone will come along and use that against them, that your perception's wrong. 
and they've been trained by their parents to think they're first African Can we gaslight ourselves? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's called rationalization. It's the first thing Freud identified. And uh, in, 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 uh, in theological terms, we call it self-justifying rather than God forgiving sins and justifies us by his death. We justify ourselves. And Paul says that, I don't allow my own conscience. I don't allow your conscience, but I don't allow my own conscience to judge me. Only God can judge me. Because we're all, we're all so close. Uh, I don't, yeah, do you want me to go into all that? Uh, uh, are there any other questions on forms of harm, forms of unsafe behavior, including gaslighting, what, yes. what could you suggest would be, you know, in the heat of the moment of gaslighting, a way to respond if you're the one being gaslit? Yeah. You know, this varies with the situation. I will never forget a 72-year-old woman who came in for counseling about going to visit her 92-year-old mother, who she was afraid of because... She didn't use this word because it wasn't being used at the time. Who continually put her down and made her feel unsafe. Let's just leave it that way. And so we came up with a plan where she, so she was going to go to L.A. from Santa Barbara. We came up with a plan where she would excuse herself and say, you know, I need some fresh air. I'm going to take a walk. I'll be back in 15 minutes. If you can get yourself out of the situation, get your head clear, think about it, pray about it kind of reset your own calibration, you need to protect yourself. You need to protect yourself. And victims and people who are being perpetrated, whether it's gaslighting, which may not be as dramatic, to all the way to being bullied, you have to get them out of that situation. We've counseled parents before to move a kid from a school where they have been the targeted victim of the bullies. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. The and you can only go to so many schools, right? It's, it's really hard. It's not an easy fix. Who did not get the triangle hanging? Gaslighting, not the same as blaming the victim. Yeah. Well, kind of, except that it's, it's we, I, I would like to blame a person. Grooming. You're grooming them to accept your abuse. It's politics. It's politics and it's very interpersonal. Okay. Yeah, it, it happens in politics every time a politician opens their mouth. <laughs> yeah. Or gas comes out. Yeah, gas comes out. They're <laughs> gaslighting us to, to accept their answer to the problem. We can make right. more of the tri triangles. Who does not yet have a triangle? Did you guys all get one? These are the yellow ones, right? But not the white Oh, well, I ran the yellow. Yeah. If it's this triangle at the top. Oh, everybody got one? Yes. Oh. Good. Okay. Good. And then I'm, has a cool PowerPoint. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, okay. Let me let me start on this. Here, here's triangle. Uh, I had a woman come in to see me, and she said to me, "Don't you agree with me that my husband should stop drinking?" And alcohol is the most destructive thing that any counselor ever deals with. Either the person drinking, or the wives, or their kids grandparents someone that destroys everything and so I, I thought well yeah I would agree I didn't hear the real question wouldn't you agree with me the next day the husband came in and said we're leaving the church and I said why what, what's going on well you agree with my wife that I should stop golf stop golf it was the 19th hole that she wanted to stop playing golf. and she wanted yeah stop playing golf and so I was trying to it was the first time that I didn't even know the word because this happened, you know. Playing 15. golf. Did everybody get what you thought? And she asked about the 19th hole, which is the bar the after, bar the, final after the game. Yeah. yeah, she wanted him to stop, you know, drinking. At Getting the bar with his friends. With and his drinking. friends and, and all of that. She, he, she used me for her argument against a conflict. She had a conflict with him about golf and drinking and all kinds of things. And she uh, wanted to get me on her side, which is what the classic triangle is. You have a conflict. I go to somebody to try to get them to go to Cheryl, to tell Cheryl to stop doing what I don't want her to do because I can't get her to stop. 
You follow? That's a classic triangle. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff to it in, the, in its classic sense. You can look it up and study things on the internet, uh, but it's any time. Now, a, a normal pastor will, uh, people will try to triangle, not so much in our church, but uh, uh, will try to triangle them five or six times on a Sunday morning uh, to get something they want somewhere in their life. Does that make sense? And so you have to you have to recognize what it is, and the solution the the problem with that is uh, triangles stabilize conflict, which means that now that we've given it to the pastor to solve, we don't have to deal with it, and now the conflict will go on for as long as the pastor or the other person being being triangled in could be a mother, could be a, you know over siblings, could be all, all, anybody. You you've been triangled probably today. Uh, people have tried to triangle if you don't see it, if your eyes aren't able to, to see what that is. Uh, does that all make sense? Any questions about that? Okay, this is pretty standard now. Can you um, can you explain how that's different than having a third party come in as a mediator? Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me show you. Yeah, you 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 saw the next slide. The, the solution is to get these two people talking to each other. And that's done by what they call detriangling or coaching. And so the pastor, you, whoever tries to triangle you, says, you know, you need to talk to them about this because this is an issue between the two of you. And if this person comes, that's great because now you can say to both of them, you guys need to talk to each other. Now... A counselor will, in a counseling session, be there, but not as a triangle. I have to say all the time, I'm, I'm not a judge. This isn't a court of law. There's not a right and wrong that I'm going to decide. You, you two got to work this out. So, and then, and we'll talk about this next week or the next, uh, how do you communicate to reach reconciliation? That's what has to be taught sometimes, because sometimes people don't understand what real communication looks like. And what real apology is, and what real reconciliation is. Does that all make sense? So, yes, you could. But the the solution is always these two got to work it out themselves, and uh, this requires boundaries and all other kinds of stuff. Now we're out of time, so we have one more minute. Do you want an explanation of the back of your handout? Yeah, you probably do. Go ahead. Okay, I'll I'll do it real quick. Is there anybody that has to leave right on time? Okay, give me give me three minutes, and we'll talk more about this next week. What causes divisions such that our nation is ripped apart, and churches are being ripped apart, and families are ripped apart, and marriages are ripped apart? Well, this is one of the reasons. There's lots of other things that are involved. But this is, they're called tangled webs. There are four rigid triangles that are based on these four laws. If you are a friend of my friend, then you're my friend too. How often do we hear that? Those are positive. See the, see the positive at each one? Because the math is very important in this. Okay. Is this how you make friends? No. The answer, you should all say no. No. Just because... Well, okay, okay, and Facebook might be part of the problem. I think he's uh, introducing you to somebody else. Introducing is something different. Okay. Then you go and you find out if they're a friend or not. But you have to decide if you're going to have them be a friend or not, right? And the, it's more obvious when you look at the other four. If you're an enemy of my friend, then you're my enemy too. Negatives to negatives to positives. Do you follow? And if you are a friend of my enemy, then you're my enemy too. And if you are an enemy of my enemy, then you're my friend. Now, this is how our nation works politically. Or the mafia. Or the mafia. Or junior high. Or, or, or gangs. Or some families and some churches. This just defi defines church splits. Um, if you have a group of people, and this is the way the math works, you can see it on your chart, it's either equal, the church is divided down the middle 
and the positive and negatives, if you had a thousand triangles, they would still form that positive and negative sequence. Or if you have 300 million voters in America, it still forms that. Uh. If you're my friend because you're a Republican too, or a Democrat too, or an independent too, or whatever it is, if you have rigid triangles, rather than making your own mind up mm -hmm. as to what you think, and that's what we wanted our our elected officials to do, just to make their own, to bring their own wisdom, not to vote party lines, because it's it's caused the tangled web, and so it causes either uh, we're against them, and we have Congress only divided by what one or two votes, or it causes a minority who the majority then overwhelm. Do you follow? Now, I'm talking primarily here about churches, but you can see it everywhere in families and so on. Or, this is the one I always show pastors, and they go, <gasps> the math works the same if everybody in the group decides that the pastor's the problem, or the associate pastor, or the pastor's wife, or the pastor's kid, or Mary Jane, or somebody else, because... A church that doesn't have healthy relationships based on everybody making their own mind up. Like I said to you guys earlier, you know, free methods said how they want to set. You don't have to sit in a row. And it's the same kind of thing with every relationship. You should decide where you want to sit, who wants to be your friend. Uh, you know, that's why I tried telling people to sit in a different place in the sanctuary. I did one time. They just looked at me like, what's wrong with you? I, I chose this. Do you follow? Yeah. That's called a tangled web. It is, and it answers the, the second question that I started with: Why do churches divide, and what causes families to divide? And emotional cutoff, of course, means that like sisters won't talk to each other for until a funeral happens. Brothers won't do business together because you know, on and on. Does that all make sense? So that's worth its weight in gold. What if there's legitimate reasons why you wouldn't? If you if you choose your, your friendships based on real relationship, real things, that's not that's not a rigid triangle. It's when you have to they they like the green carpet and this group likes the red carpet and we're gonna fight as a church over one more hundred. Or what kind of songs we sing? Or it's what kind of identity rather than it's identity politics. And identity politics is, is, has destroyed reasonable dialogue. And uh, and it's, it's the same thing in a family though. You know, you get together for Thanksgiving, this side over here thinks this and so on. And, you know, I'm not for the vaccine. Why? Well, I'm not for the vaccine. I'm not. You know, we saw it kind of weird when we all were thrown yeah. out. So. This happened with COVID yeah. in families, you know, and especially because the holidays were coming, and people wouldn't get together with the other side, whether they were vaccinated or wearing masks or not, because there was just no bridging that gap. In fact, we gained a ton of chips with our in-law, the in-laws of our daughter-in-law, because even though Denny and I, because of health reasons, had been vaccinated, and we did the masks, and we tried to follow the health regulations, um, our grandsons tested positive for COVID. So Ben, who had been vaccinated, stayed home, took care of the grandkids, and his wife had never been tested, nor the youngest son had never, I mean, never been vaccinated. So we let And them, was against it. And was against it, and her family was um, against vaccinations. We had them come in quarantine with us. I mean, are we going to put our daughter-in-law and our grandson out on this street or go to a hotel because they need to quarantine? Of course not. So they came and lived with us for a week. Her family, who was so anti-vax, they could hardly speak to anybody who got one, thought that was hugely magnanimous of us. It's Christian people, you know. We're supposed to lay down our lives for our friends and our enemies too, for that matter. But bridging those huge divides speaks to our Christian character okay, I'm loudly. Gonna, we'll go to Sarah and then we'll quit. Sorry. Um, earlier, Cheryl, when you said you disagreed with disagreeing, <laughs> I would say that between the timing of 
the, the evolution of our political realm here in the States mm -hmm. and COVID, we've gotten quite comfortable with being able to ignore uh, conflict in conversation, disagreement. And so we are out of practice as well. And the more we're told that we shouldn't disagree or shouldn't address disagreement. Don't be, okay, so please hear this. I'm not saying we shouldn't disagree. I'm saying we shouldn't be disagreeable. Got yeah. it. Okay. So change that it's word on your chart. It's yeah. like the difference it's, between making judgment and being judgmental. Yes. We all we have, have to have good judgment. I mean, you guys shouldn't be driving through deep puddles today. Please. Oh, it shouldn't be out today. Probably not. <laughs> but use good but judgment. Use good judgment as you drive home. But don't be judgmental about other people who chose not to come to church. Okay, so we'll pick up here. Uh, next week, think about it, and uh, we'll go on because we want to understand how do we protect the unity of a family, a marriage, a church? What are the dynamics of protecting the unity? That's what we'll talk about next week. Father, thank you. Be with each of us. Keep everyone safe as they go home. Protect all of our families, all of our churches, all of our nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Like, like colonies, colonies.